welcome back to Two Pastors and a Mic. My name is Corey. And I'm Shanik. And we're so glad that you're joining us today. We have a very special guest in the room, but before we get to him and introduce him, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, share it on your social media. We love all of it. Yeah, I also want to say that I just got an email right before this uh, episode is being recorded, and we are up to 3,500 downloads. So, man, that is awesome. Definitely want to celebrate that. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening each and every single week. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, this week and possibly next week, depending on the content, we have one of our best friends, one of our favorite ministry leaders, Reggie Beasley. Welcome to the podcast, the first guest ever on Two Passes. First ever guest. And you know what? I feel like it's not my first time. I hear a story every single week that reminds me of all the craziness we've experienced together. That, so. And you almost get quoted every week, too. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You've said all the stuff that I can bring to the table. I'm out. You've yeah. already quoted all my best stuff. Well, we do questions of the week here. So we're going to do a question of the week rapid fire edition with you. We're going to go through five of our favorite questions that we've already answered. Okay. And get your answer. So he hasn't heard these questions. We're just going to give it to him live. You're going to hear it here first. Favorite movie quote of all time? Oh, favorite movie quote. All right, I'm going to test you, Corey. I'll, I'll pick one of my favorites. And if you can tell me the movie, I'll be happy. I just thought he was quiet. I got nothing. And it's your favorite movie, Dumb and Dumber. Whenever the blind kid at the end finds oh, out the, man. the bird has a, ping, bird. a ping pong ball for a head. I just thought he was quiet. Petey didn't even have a head. (laughs) (laughs) All right. right, Last TV show you binge watched and your favorite TV show of all time. Mm, Last TV show I binge watched was The Queen's Gambit on Netflix. Hmm. Yeah. I haven't seen that one. And I got super into chess after I binge watched it. And I'm still terrible at chess, but I love playing it. (laughs) true story uh my favorite show of all time i don't know about my favorite show of all time there's so many uh if it was a sitcom to me the answer my top three are uh friends seinfeld and frazier is the one that in my that's in my mm-hmm. top three that's in very few other people but frazier's underrated best writing in any sitcom got one question for you frazier is that the spinoff from the dude that was on cheers it is for like decades it is and cheers is also in my top five what so what's the fourth one uh, you named four already, so yeah, The Office. I would say, wow. If yeah. Cody Tevis is listening, he's upset that Friends is ahead of The Office. And here's the know. thing: The Office is probably fifth in the top five. Good for you. That's, I love it. That's some controversy. Favorite way to spend a day off? Oh, doing nothing. Right. <laughs> Literally doing nothing. If I can just be at home alone with no obligations, uh, whenever you have a toddler, just having time and space to yourself is. Just an incredible miracle. Amen. All the all the parents listening know exactly what we're talking about. First celebrity crush. <laughs> Easy. Mariah Carey. When I was a kid growing up, I had two posters on my bedroom uh, wall. It was an Alonzo Morning poster I got from a Honeycomb's box and the Mariah Carey centerfold from the fantasy album. Mm-hmm. The, the, the you race could unfold car. the booklet, and it became a poster on the back was side. Was it the race car? No, it was what? the one with her. It was like sepia tone, and she was like hand on the hip, I think. Yeah. But that I moved on quickly uh, to Britney Spears. Went through a huge Britney he Spears phase. did it again. Yeah. Hey, if you don't know, Reggie's voice is like an angel, and <laughs> so why don't you just give us a little Britney? Oh, uh, I can't do that. Okay, little Mariah. <laughs> I definitely can't do that. Nobody can do that. Come on, you She's always too good. be my baby. Yeah. 
Yeah. Come on, give it to us. We're not moving on. Oh, my gosh. You'll always be a part of me. There you go. I gave you a taste. Just amazing. (laughs) Last question. What kind of gifts do you love? Oh, okay. Here's the thing. I'm going to be honest. I'm extremely picky. So almost everybody you talk to is either very, very picky or has everything that they want. That's what we all do because there's a little website invented called Amazon. So if we want it, we just buy it and it's here in a day or two at most. So Loki, my favorite gift to get, and this sounds so lame, just give me a gift card. Yep. I'll get what I want with it and you get the credit. Yep. Yeah. Give Amazon me a gift card. Gift, cards. gift card. People hating on gift cards don't understand the concept. Yep. Yeah. I love, I love gift it. cards. Well, Reggie is, he was at Hill City Church, which used to be known as Cornerstone, for six years, from 2012 to 2018. Got an awesome opportunity to go to Charlotte, North Carolina, where your wife is from, working with Elevation Church, and you're back here. We just did a conference together. It was tons of fun, but you have so much wisdom. One of my favorite things about Reggie is his ability to, he's got so much content at all times that no matter what season you're going through, he can speak a word. And so we wanted to have him on the podcast, just see where you're thinking, see what you're thinking, where this conversation could go, because I know people are going to be ministered from hearing from this. So what do you got? What do you want to talk about this week? Those are kind words. I appreciate that. You know, I, I learned this a long time ago, and I can't remember if I heard it from somebody or if I thought of it. So I think the way it goes is if you can't remember who you learned it from, you thought of it. You just get to claim it as your own. I like it. So, so I'll just claim this as my own. I can't remember where it came from, but I I, I know I heard this is if you want to try to help people, just speak to people what God is speaking to you, because you can try all you want to be prophetic. You can try all you want to be applicable, but if you're just speaking what God's speaking to you, it's going to apply and it's going to be prophetic because his words are prophetic already. So honestly, whenever I think about where I am, the season where my wife and I are as a family, uh, we have a, a three-year-old daughter as well. The season that we're in right now is a season of transition. My wife has been a part of a company uh, based out of Louisville, Kentucky for going on eight years. This October would have been eight years, but she just uh, quit. Yesterday was her last day in her company, and she's starting a brand new venture with a company based out of Charlotte, and we're really, really excited about it. But for me right now, what we have been processing a lot is transition which involves a ton of decision-making. And I think one thing that could be really, really helpful today is if we just talk to people about the art of making a decision. Really, if, if we're talking to a Christian audience, we could say the art of knowing you're in the will of God. And I know this is something that's close to your heart as well, because one way that we like to frame things is we just want to be in the will of God. We just want to be in the center of God's will. But really, I think that notion is predicated on a fallacy uh, you don't need to strive to be in the will of God. You just need to be aware that you are the will of God. It, Come on. It was for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What was that joy? It was union with you. So you are his heart. You are his cry. And uh, I know that you guys have mentioned on Abraham, that incredibly famous passage where he tells Abraham or his nephew Lot to go left. And he says, if you go left, I'll go right. If you go right, I'll go left. Because he understood in that moment that it wasn't his decision that was blessed. It was him that was blessed. So my wife and I have just been in that position of recognizing what we have the ability to choose to do and what we have the ability to choose not to do. And I think every single day, or, or maybe you're in a season where you are facing a major decision, a big decision. Um, we've learned a lot in the past couple of months about decision-making and God has given us some pretty incredible things 
that to be quite frank with you, we're going to carry for a lifetime. And one of them is, uh, the pressure to not make the decision right away. So as Hannah and I were thinking about a couple of, of transitions in our own life with her leaving her work, she found herself living months in a place of frustration. She wasn't happy with where she was, but also she didn't feel like the company was in a place where she could make a change in that moment. She led a team. She oversaw a lot of the initiatives that the company was going through. And she couldn't live every day with the frustration of feeling the need to make a change. So what we had to do was come to terms with, hey, it would be immature and irresponsible to say we're never going to address this issue in our life. We're never going to talk about a transition that might be pending. But it would also be immature to live every day in that toxic mindset of reminding yourself of all your frustrations because that's no way to live. You have work to do. You have people to help. You have uh, people to serve with the product or the service that you provide. So what we decided that we were going to do is we were going to set a time horizon. And for us, it was three months. And then the second time it was six months where we said, okay, we can't live in the pain and the frustration of this moment every day, but we also can't kick the can forever down the road. So let's set a time horizon of three months, three months from now. So we're going to release ourselves from the pressure of the frustration every single day, but also we're going to give ourselves permission to circle back and deal with what needs to be dealt with. And we had to do that multiple times in, in these processes because we're both really, really loyal people. We weren't quick to make a transition or a change. So what we wanted to do was we wanted to say, okay, we're going to allow ourselves, <clears throat> excuse me, the permission to live this day to the fullest without the pain of the frustration that we're dealing with. But also we know full well, we're coming back to this issue. We're going to address it in three months, in six months, whatever the case may be. So at the end of three months, then you reevaluated where you were. Are the frustrations still there? What's the outlook like right now and then then you make another decision do we set another timeline to to see or is that like okay no we're going to set a timeline for three months and then like the decision has to be made one way or the other so that you can release yourself that's a good question so i wouldn't think i wouldn't think at all that there is a correct answer to that question maybe your circumstance is one where you have three months and it's a deadline and you need to give yourself that pressure. For us, that was not the case. For us, it was, we just can't, we had to release ourselves from the pain of feeling it every single day because we had stuff to do. We had people to help and life to live. So we just had to say in three months, we're going to revisit it, reassess, take inventory. What has changed that needed to change? What has changed that shouldn't have changed or what stayed the same that needed to change that is keeping me frustrated because overall that is the course of life are things change that need to change so that we improve or sometimes you need to make a change in your life but circumstances or your own personal discipline aren't allowing you to make the changes that you need to make to live a happy fulfilled life in what you're called to do so for us it was very much get to the end of this three months and then we're going to revisit. And we actually did it three times before finally transitioning. Yeah, no, that's super good. Loved hearing that. So then after you took that time, what was like the next step in finally making that decision to transition? Yeah. Say the question one more time. What was the, yeah. So you took the time to evaluate. We're not going to live in this pain every day. 
let's set a time limit. You get to this time limit, three months. Well, we're going to do another six months, whatever it may be. But then what is like the tipping factor or what is the deciding factor in your evaluation to make the decision, whether it's a transition or to stay or new opportunity? Like then what's that process look like? Are there, are there guidelines that you follow? Are there, you know, there's a list of pros and cons that I want to like talk about after three months. And has this one got better? Is this a con turned into a pro now? Like there's a process that you get to where it's like, cause you talked about kicking the can down the road. I can keep setting three month things to even have the conversation for years. Yeah. But then what's like, Oh man, no, this, this is the decision that has to and be made. And then that really just becomes lazy at that time. I, I, I've, if you were at uh, at Hill City this past Sunday, you heard me talk about John 11. I've been stuck in John 11 all year. It's been awesome. If uh, if you're not aware, John 11 is the passage where Jesus uh, raises Lazarus. And there are just so many incredible moments in this passage. And one critical thing that happens is Lazarus was one of Jesus's great friends. Jesus loved Lazarus, but Lazarus had died and Jesus found out about it. And he was a two-day journey away, but before Jesus even made the trip, he got the information and then he stayed where he was for two more days. And then he told his disciples that he was going to go to the place where Lazarus was. It was two miles from Jerusalem. And his disciples say this. They said, Jesus, if you go there, the people who are there hate you. They're going to stone you. And Jesus gives this incredible illustration that if you read it on its surface, it's like, Jesus, what are you talking about? They say they're going to stone you and you're talking about the sun and the moon. But Jesus says this. He says, hey, if you walk during the day, you're not going to stumble. And if you walk at night, you're going to stumble. And it took me a second to get my head around what Jesus was saying there. But, it, but what Jesus is saying is that timing is everything. Timing is everything. You can make a good decision at the wrong time and it's a wrong decision. Mm. You can make a bad decision at the right time and somehow it can work out for you because you took a risk at a, at a right time. Yeah, my college roommates used to say the right girl at the wrong time is still the wrong girl. Hey, that's true. You just said it the same way. That, that It's exactly the same way to say it. So really it's Jesus saying, hey, let's choose to walk in the light. So for me, that's reframing that thought around timing. And timing is so crucial to decisions. And, and, and I see what you're saying, Shannon, because you can get yourself into a circumstance where it just becomes lazy and sloppy to continue to defer a decision over and over and over again. And if you find yourself in that habit, yeah, maybe this God is going to use this podcast to speak to you. Maybe you do need to set a timeline. Maybe you do need to set a deadline. But I would say in the overarching theme of your life, we probably need to put a little less pressure on ourselves for big decisions like that and learn to trust timing. Because there were other moments uh, whenever we were going through uh, Hannah's job change, and, and we don't just need to talk about Hannah's job change, but I think we can use it as a metaphor for the decision-making that we all have to go through. There were other times where she would go on a job interview or she would go <laughs> have lunch with somebody to have a conversation around it. And then you take inventory of the people you're meeting, the places you're going, and honestly, just the sense you get in your spirit. I, I think we over or undervalue that so many times. And it doesn't have to be this crazy nine hours in a prayer closet seeking God. Sometimes you go to lunch and within five minutes of meeting somebody, you're like, yeah, this probably isn't going to be the opportunity that I continue to pursue, but hope the food's good, you know? And it's just, it's just kind of like that. And more often than not, God speaks to us through our own ability to discern a person, to discern a season, to discern a moment. And I think learning to key in on that 
is critical for next steps. But if you ask me for one thing, all of these, all of those factors regarding relationship, um, all center around timing. It's waiting for timing. I got nothing. No, I think that's incredible. And the reason why I even brought that up was because as a pastor, a lot of times people come to me and they're frustrated with something in their life. And it's not always a job. It could be a relationship. It could just be, you know, some unmet expectation and they're not, it, they're not where they want it to be in life. And they live in that frustration constantly and they evaluate, but then I'll continue to see them six months later in their same spot. I know some dudes that come to me that have been frustrated. They've been frustrated for like going on a decade now. And it's like, man, like I, 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 I hate that you're just constantly living in this, but at, at some point you're going to have to make a decision, whether it's, you know, within a relationship or with it's in business or whatever, but you're going to have to make a decision for you and you're going to have to make a decision to better yourself. And so I love that you just talked about like, trust the timing and it's, it's a process, right? We talk about process a lot. And I remember like, even when we were establishing kind of the culture here at this place, you know, one of the things were like, you know, we, we want to help people in the process of progress. And I think that's what you're talking about, right? In the, in the whole decision-making. That's exactly it. And, and what you were saying, Shannon, is so critical because maybe you are out there and maybe you are making excuses where they don't belong. Or maybe you're playing a victim when actually you're called to be a victor and you're blaming life circumstances, throwing things on you for the reason your situation is what it is. But if you don't do anything about it, you're going to be in the same place a year from now and in the same place five years from now. And you're going to be blaming everybody else whenever you actually have more authority than you think you do. You have more control over your circumstance than you think you do. And, and hear this, you have more ability to make a change in your life and in other people's life than you think think you do. So often we live in this uh, false narrative that the world has created my circumstance for me. And it's just up to me with to live within these confines. Oh, we say stuff like, well, I just got to play the hand I'm dealt. No, you don't, dude. Throw away the cards and get a new deck. You don't have to. You don't have to hear that today. You don't have to. You can make a change. You can make a difference. You want to lose 100 pounds? Don't lose 100 pounds. Lose five. Start small. Do something today that's going to make an impact in your life that is going to put you in a better position tomorrow to achieve your goal than you would be today if you didn't do anything. Do something. I, I love that. So you're talking about understanding the power you have in your thought process. And because I, I think in the, in the church culture, we, do, we, we play victims so much. And I love that you, you, you address that. You don't have to play the cards you're, you're dealt. Like You can make a change. You have power. So I, I want to close this episode and get your opinions on how do you make a better decision when a decision you already made and processed failed you? Mm. Mm. And like, how do you get rid of that guilt or what's your personal process of overcoming a bad decision and recognizing, hey, I made a bad decision. I'm going to own it, but I'm not going to let it affect my next decision. That's perfect. First and foremost, you have to be honest with yourself. Mm. You have to be honest in taking inventory of who was really at fault. Maybe it was something that was done to you that was terrible. Can you find grace and forgiveness for that? For yourself, for the other person, or whatever. But if it is a circumstance where you were a product of your own demise, of your own framing, you have to 
take inventory of your life and be extremely honest with yourself. But then also you have to, as quickly as you can, as quickly as God gives you the grace, you have to stop focusing on the negative all the time. You have to move beyond the negative. Philippians 4 says, in all things with prayer and petition, make your request known before the Lord. But then it has this whole diatribe on whatever's good, whatever's noble, whatever's praiseworthy or of good report. Dwell on those things. In another place in the Bible, it says, go in the strength that you have. What is that saying? There are a lot of areas where you don't have strength, but there's an area where you do go in that strength. And I think so many times we try to improve our situation by improving our weaknesses. No, man, focus on what makes you strong and key in on that area. Chick-fil-A doesn't also need to know how to grill a filet mignon. They know how to make a chicken sandwich with a couple of pickles and put it on a bun. And they sell millions and the lines are crazy. But go in the strength that you have. Maybe God is going to use this little Chick-fil-A example to illustrate to you. You need to focus on the things that make you strong and stop comparing yourself against everybody else's strengths because you aren't called to live their life. You are called to do what you are called to do, and you are going to be the person at the end of the day that has to live with the world you frame for yourself. And we can end with this, and we can move on to another subject, but I will say one of the strengths that God gave us, and this is something that he illuminated through this whole process with with Hannah and myself, is he gave us a glimpse that over the course of our 11-year marriage, he showed it to me in a mental model like somebody taking a step, Right? Every time any either one of us in our marriage made a change in our life, one person took a step, the other person always had a foot planted. We hadn't realized that as it was happening for 11 years of marriage, but it was only in this season of reflecting on the different seasons and different places that God had taken us to that we realized, oh my gosh, God has been so faithful to give us some stability in the middle of a risk. Risk becomes easy whenever you understand where your structure comes from. And I think one of the reasons why we don't take a risk is we get too comfortable staying stable when actually we're called to take a step. And another thing that's risky is whenever we take, we, we overextend ourselves and we take a step a little bit too far and that other foot isn't planted. I know Dave Ramsey says this quote all the time and I love it. He says, hey, get the boat a little closer to the dock before you jump off. But jump. If there's anything I, you probably need to hear me say is everybody listening is facing a decision in this moment. Maybe it's big. Maybe it's small. Maybe it's a, a tenuous goal that you could attain in three months. Or maybe it's a book that's going to take you three years to write. But whatever it is, take a risk, take a step. But all of those things start with making a decision today that's going to inf- affect your future. And if we're doing the kingdom right, it's not only going to affect your future, but it's going to affect the people around you as well, because that's the kingdom effect. Hmm. Closing thoughts on decision making? Ah, that was kind of it. Yeah, I just gave you <laughs> 20 minutes of closing thoughts. But yeah, but I, but I would say be emboldened. If, if, there's a, if there's a closing thought, be emboldened to make a decision. You're not a victim to your circumstance. You're a child. You're a, you're a son. You're a daughter of God. And you've been given the authority to affect change in the world around you. So make a decision that's not only good for you. Ah, dang it. Corey, you made me talk again, and now i got another thought. Keep going. I will say this. Most of the time, the right decision helps more than just yourself. Hmm. I love it. Most of the time, the right decision helps more people than just you. Because if your dream 
only helps you. It's not big enough. If you look at what's in your hand today and you could eat it, <laughs> I butchered this quote, dang it. If you look at what's in your hand today and it's not enough, it's not your harvest, it's your seed. So instead of eating it as the source of sustenance for today, plant it and watch it grow into something you never thought possible. Mic drop. <laughs> no, Reg, man, for real. That was so good, so empowering. And I really hope that our listeners really like leaned into that and realized that they do have the power to make a decision, to not be afraid um, to take that step, whether it's a big decision, small decision, like they've been empowered to do it. And uh, man, I love that episode, man. Thank you so much for being with us today. And uh, for our listeners, just know you're loved and there's nothing you can do about it. 